tomorrow, Thursday? <laughs> nobody knows. When I, nobody knows. <laughs> do, do days count anymore? <laughs> no. Well, at least we don't count the days. <laughs> and, um, but I know from doing some stuff down there, I saw that they have a retirement bin. Like when you go in the door into the left, at the top of the left side of the staircase, going down, they have a retirement bin there. Because we have one that we need to take down that we took down at the warming center. Was it, uh, had it just been on the same flagpole forever and ever? We put it up. Oh, okay. It it just got beat up. The weather and the wind through there, because it's kind of like a little tunnel, Mm -hmm. it just got tattered up. So, What is it like having a building that is built so stout to like do this work? Like that's always kind of the concern, right? When you're, when you're trying to find adequate housing for a broad swath of people that are, that are in transition or displaced, like, you know, Oh, okay. If I, if I put them in, in some flimsy stick built, whatever, like it's just going to get beat up all the time because we're moving stuff around and moving people around. But like there it's like, everything's just concrete, (laughs) you know? And I, I don't even think of it as concrete. Um, we're so fluid inside of the building. I know a few months ago, I think it was back in March, we had a call for a family of eight that needed to be, that needed someplace to stay. And what we were able to do is we had a set of rooms that had a lock on the door between them. It had Mm -hmm. a sliding door. So we went ahead, took that lock off, moved a few people, cleared those two rooms, and we were able to accommodate the family of eight. So when we have situations like that, I don't, I don't, I don't think of it as stout because we've been fluid through that, through changing from twelve hours to twenty-four hours. Mm-hmm. We've been able to kind of fluidly flow through the concrete, so to speak. No, that's 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 fair. I mean, and and arguably, so long as you've got the ability to like move walls and doors and other stuff <laughs> when you need to, it's. <laughs> it, it makes it makes a big difference, and I think too. One, I think with it being such a formidable building Mm -hmm. when people come up to it there's a sense of security when you look at a brick building Mm -hmm. at any given time if it's a brick house (laughs) a brick building Uh you you do you feel a little more secure you're like okay this isn't gonna fall apart anytime soon (laughs) i've read the three little pigs i know what's going (laughs) on there you go (laughs) exactly and i think it does i think it gives a sense of security um when when people come up to it and they're like okay this is where i'm gonna be staying and you know, you see that it, it is well made. You know, those buildings I think were made in '64. Uh huh. So, we, <laughs> we we try to utilize it well. <laughs> Stick it around, and uh, we are we are going to utilize our time well on this conversation uh, with another interesting person living an interesting life uh, here in this little old place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois. Um, pronounce your last name for me so I don't butcher it. <laughs> Is it Cahill? Cahill? Is it just Cahill? Okay, cool. I'm I'm so bad with names. You got the first name down. <laughs> Carmelita. Yep. Boom. You've got it Done. down. But with Cahill, I'm usually like uh, Carmelita C A H I L L. As soon as you say K, everybody's like, if they're typing your name or anything, that's what they go for. <laughs> so I'll say it one more time because I just had the camera on audio the same as I had the microphone on audio and so there's probably some sort of like back and forth right now Carmelita Cahill um, an interesting person living an interesting life tied all together with this little old place we call home Carbondale 
Illinois. And so, cause we, we don't, you know, outside of a phone, you know, a couple phone conversations we've had talking about, um, you know, activity that you've got going on in the past couple weeks, uh, or past couple months or whatever. Like we, we out and me seeing you like do stuff in the group, post a thing every now and then share something from the group. Like I don't have any context whatsoever. So when you walked in today and we started talking, you're like, I've only been here six years. I was like, Jaw drop. <laughs> <laughs> what brought you to Carbondale? <laughs> that is that is an amazing question. What brought me to Carbondale is um, I found my mom here when I was 42 years old. Wow. And I felt really blessed as a child who grew up without their mother, mm-hmm. um, believing that she had left me in circumstances. I was born in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. My mom is white okay obviously my dad has some color (laughs) and those things you know in in that time period even though we were progressively you know still coming out of the civil rights movement it was still frowned upon Mm -hmm. it was it it could get you disowned there was a lot of things that that went behind that and she was 20 years old you know yeah and um so i found her here found that i had a brother a couple sisters and you know, this, this family yeah. here. And at 42, when I found her here, um, I felt like I would be remiss if I didn't move here uh-huh. because it's like, wow, how many people my age are actually finding their parents mm-hmm. alive? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like it, there's a long probability of that. So I, um, I moved here and I, I haven't looked back since. That's phenomenal. I, I, do you have just components of, of your life that have led up to this point that you feel make you such a good fit in a community as active and just far reaching broad. I don't the the word diverse is bleh to me, right? Like diverse is something that people say when they like need a black person or a brown person to be part of their group. But like Carbondale is a far reaching place where we have all sorts of people that are brought into our community and get to like engage as another member in it and their true self. Like, do you feel like you've been able to bring components of yourself to Carbondale that, that are just a fit? I think so, because how I learned Carbondale. <laughs> That's the title of a book right there. <laughs> that right there it is. How I learned to get around were bookstores, coffee shops, and thrift stores, uh-huh. and the library. And I'll say this, and it's a sh- shameless shout out to our library. Give it to them. Um, <laughs> Give it to them. <laughs> the library is one for me. I, I love books. Mm-hmm. Um, Francis Beck, who's running the library book sale online, like messaged me a few days ago to, I think just to make sure I was okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I hadn't ordered anything in like a week and a half. And, um, but the library, um, really kind of brought me into what Carbondale was. Yeah. Um, I'm an avid reader. I'm a book collector. It's not hoarding because it is a library that yeah. I'm building. Yeah. And, um, totally. I believe and you. <laughs> so being there and then looking at the types of activities that they had there for the community and just mm-hmm. kind of going to those and becoming involved. And I think my first year in Carbondale, I was involved in 11 days. So oh, it, and, I, and I've been involved in 11 days, I believe, every year since I've been here that I've been here in, in some format or another. And it kind of like brings you in and you meet people. 
and you start making these connections. And I think for me, that felt kind of like home because university towns are kind of like home. I spent 12 years living in Toledo, Ohio, of course. Uh-huh. Very similar setup, very yeah. dominated by the university that's there. So your housing, and I worked as a transitional housing case manager mm-hmm. and at the largest homeless shelter in Northwest Ohio while I was there. Oh, wow. Okay. So a lot of the same things that you know, we encountered there, I see here, mm-hmm. you know, your housing market and your apartments are dominated by student life, which mm-hmm. is understandable. You're going to get more if you have more people in there. Yep. And um, so a lot of those things seemed very similar and it was very welcoming. Um, but mainly my, my life in Carbondale, I, I'd have to say, begins at the library. <laughs> <laughs> Diana is awesome. Wendy, when she was there, just awesome people that, you know, just really were like, Hey, we recognize like a kindred spirit here. Let's yeah. let's let's welcome her, and that's that's one of the places that I absolutely love. That's cool. No, that's real cool. My um my best friend's mother, uh, her name was Helen. Uh, she was on the library board. She may have been. I don't know that she was president or something, but she was she was involved in in Diana's hiring. Um, uh, I mean, it's it would have been 12, 13-ish years ago, something like that. I'm, I, I, I've not been tracking. I'm just like, I'm, I'm thinking of like, what would make sense? What timeline sounds right for all that, for all that to go together? And it's just, it, you know, it's, it's wild. And that's part of kind of this podcast is like finding these things, finding these connections between people that, that folks may not know exist in like, unearthing them and like getting them some oxygen and letting them breathe and get out there so people can, can just absorb it. Um, so that's cool. I, I also, is it, is it, is it Fran, Francis, France? What's, what is her name? Who runs the book sales? Uh, Fran, I think it's Francis or Fran Beck. Okay. Fran. So I, I want her to like post more to the WTF group when she's like doing book sales. I've told her that she, she messaged. I don't, I don't remember how I communicated with her at some point, but I was like, Hey, you should, you should like post more over here. Let's see if we can help you get stuff. And then I think she thought I was going to do it. And I was like, no, 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 no. The whole thing is like getting people to engage in the group and do that stuff. And that's where your, your like shadow participation gets you caught up on stuff. Cause that's the reason why you're even here. Cause you liked Sarah's post. And then I was like, Hey, you should do this. You're like, nah. And then Gary was like the next day, Hey, you know who you should really talk to. <laughs> Well, you know what's even funnier about that is it, it, it goes back to the library that I'm, I'm running the warming center. Uh-huh. I was there for the uh, indie pop-up film, A Decade of Fire, mm-hmm. about the fires in the Bronx. And I had met Scott before, and I'd met Deb before, and we were all there, and I stayed for the discussion afterwards, and I was waiting for somebody. Diana and I were talking. I was looking for a position. I felt like I needed to do something that had value and yeah. that I had passion for and that that helped people, and I was willing to wait. I'm, I'm to yeah. that point in my life where <laughs> just like, I'm, I'm just, you know what, let, let me, I've done enough things that maybe my whole heart wasn't into mm-hmm. and and that's just selling yourself short and um so the next day after that i get a message from diana hey you need to give scott martin a call <laughs> he's looking for help with you know the warming center I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah i can do some shifts at the warming center not a problem <laughs> i call him he's like hey you know we're looking for a coordinator <laughs> psych <laughs> <laughs> and um you know went through you know the interview process and then did that and then you know here we are um 
you know, I accepted a four-month position. <laughs> we just had our one-year anniversary December 1st. So. Is it really? It both feels like it has been much longer than a year and not even anywhere near a year, kind of all wrapped up in one. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does, because I look up and I'm like, wait, Christmas is in two weeks? Mm-hmm. Really? Are you sure? <laughs> and it, it, But it, it, it's amazing, though, because it takes, you know, all of the people that you've met. And the other interesting thing is we get a lot of donations over there. Mm-hmm. And I get to talk to so many different people in a day. Yeah. And then you find out how they're connected to this person, to this person, to this person, to a bag full of paper plates getting to you. And it's just the neatest aspect of it is getting to talk to people and engage with them on a regular basis. I won't ask you who your favorite people are to engage with because that's not fair because they're all your favorite, right? (laughs) Yes. Right? (laughs) It's people. It's people. It's... Has there been anything, has there been anybody that like outright surprised you with their participation yet where it's just been like, oh, wow, this person's coming in and, 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 you know, pitching in in some way, shape or form. And you're like, wow, this is really cool. They're really neat. And you can just pick out somebody that's, you would already expect to as well. Like, don't let me, (laughs) you know who, um, I, I had heard of Carolyn Harvey. Okay. Beforehand. And she's on our board mm-hmm. also. And she would volunteer last year, well, before COVID. Mm-hmm. And she would come in and volunteer. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> this is the Carolyn Harvey. Uh-huh. And she's probably uh-huh. going to kill me for this. <laughs> but I'd be like, wow, okay. So I would try to be, you know, really grown up. which <laughs> <laughs> That's difficult sometimes. <laughs> At times it can be. And then, you know what? She, she would be there. What do we need to do? And she would just seamlessly fit right into whatever we were doing at that time and then when we had that yeah everything has an ebb and a flow yeah so when we had that ah moment laughing and joking it was like okay and but she's just such an amazing person yeah but she's very about what she's doing structure is her key to success if she's running a public meeting if she's volunteering if she's just trying to figure something out structure is what guides her ability. And it's like, I've been watching it for several years now. And, and like, I I remember there was a time for about six, eight months where I would bump into her everywhere I was. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if COVID had anything to do with that or if just like activities eventually, you know, converge and diverge and, and all that fun stuff. And it was just like, wow. Like, you know, I'm, I'm on a side of a table coming into whatever to engage and she's sitting there working the table, bringing people out. Like she was at the, she was, she was at the, she was, she was taking tickets for the Marion Chamber of Commerce, uh, dinner like two years ago. And it's like, okay, that like, that's how, like, that's how you build a bridge, right? Like you're saying, okay, well, Carbonell and Marion may not have had the greatest relationship for the longest of times. Well, what are we going to do there? And Carol's like, well, let me just roll up my sleeves exactly, and go sit at the front door <laughs> during the chamber event and like work and not just like sit there and like wave at people, but work. She's, she is amazing in that. And she's involved in so many things. Yeah. And it, it's just amazing. Like, I look at it and I say, I want to be Carolyn Harvey when I grow up, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, because she is just so active in, in everything. And it it is, it's, it's an amazing thing to see. And it's a great example of, you know, a person in our community that's just 
rocking it on every level. Yeah. So, and, the, and this is round two. This is so I, I had uh, I think episode nineteen. Uh, a woman I went to high school with, Jenna Jameson. She's now a teacher uh, and a and an author and some other things. And she worked for Carolyn for I think she says like a year and a half or so at SIU and like picked up components from her. And it's like that's the other it's the other like big deal if you can inspire other people to like achieve in the way that you yourself want to achieve. And that's another question I go back like having for you right now is, you know, you were talking about, okay, well, I'm not just going to jump out at the first opportunity that comes my way that I'm, I'm looking for something that is in line with what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, have you always carried that sense of like, you know, uh, self-awareness and like always been guided by that? Or is this something that you have developed over time? It's something developed over time. Um, I raised my three children on my own. Mm -hmm. So there were positions that I stayed in that were probably unhealthy for me (laughs) way longer than anybody should have. Uh But my reasoning for that was it kept the roof over their head, food on their table, and clothes on their back. So I was was held accountable to my children. Mm -hmm. And when I got to the point where that was not my litmus anymore. Yeah. And my and my litmus was back to being my own. Um, I think there were two jobs that I just kind of left. I was like, yeah, <laughs> this, this is not worth it for me. Uh-huh. This isn't doing it for me and it's not worth it for me. So um, here's a really nice note. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be in on Monday. <laughs> I won't be back. Do you notice my office is already empty? <laughs> and, but I think it was there. There was there was some freedom to that. Mm-hmm. There was some freedom to that because I wouldn't change a thing that I've done for my children. Yeah, not at all. I did what needed to be done as a parent. Yeah, and but now that I'm at this point where it's like, okay, hmm, my car is paid for. Nice. Hmm. I, I really don't have a lot of bills mm-hmm. that I can't manage. I'm going to do something that just really guides me. And I think that's always been something that has been with me because when I was in those other jobs, it bothered me. Yeah. You know, I could feel that effect, you know, that, that it has on you when you're not living to your true self. It, you feel that, you know, things don't align the way they're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> and so... In, in doing this, it, it's been, I think I say, everything I've ever learned from every position I've ever had and everything I've learned in my life comes into play <laughs> where I'm at now, now. most definitely. Ah, that's heartwarming and uplifting. Are the, are the, are the kids like older and, and grown-ish now? Yes. Yes. Actually, one works at Good Samaritan. Nice. One works with me. Nice. <laughs> and um, my daughter and her husband, they have their own business. So. That's phenomenal. So, yeah, they, it, they kind of grew up doing a lot of this with me. Um, hey, come on, let's go pass out Christmas gifts at the shelter, huh? Yeah. Oh, we're giving these away? Yep. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, they learned from, you know, seeing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when you're raising kids, you just kind of wonder, did I put enough yeah. In, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think I think they've turned out pretty good. Uh, and and I, I asked that question for a very selfish reason. So I, I talk about my kids on the podcast at a decent amount because I'm so like I, I'm a young parent as well. So my my kids, my my stepkids and my biological son, they're all 10 going on 11 and I'm 31. So I'm in a similar position to you where like I'm going to be in my in my 
uh, you know, mid to late thirties with grown children <laughs> going, did I, did I drag them along for enough stuff? Right. Did I introduce them to enough people in enough ways and like make them interact as themselves that like when they step out as adults, they're going to have that fully formed ability to just like exist in society and respect everybody, not just the people that they feel are like same as themselves, but people that could be viewed as others to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, that's a big deal. <laughs> it is. It's, and you know what? They, they just follow our example. Yeah. And you know, that's the, that's, that's the best part of it. They, they follow our example. So at this point, it's just keeping ourselves up to, you know, cause I even, even with, you know, let's see, my youngest is 23. Uh -huh. Even to this day, I still consider myself, I'm their adult example. Yeah. So even in things that I do now, I'm like, well, they'll probably run into this at some point and they're going to look at how I handled this mm -hmm. and wonder. And so I want to make sure still, even though they're grown. Yeah to try and handle things in a way that I'd like to see them handle it at some point. What did they think of moving to Carbondale? Like, did they, did they have any sort of shock experience or did they just feel like, all right, we were here and now we're there and it all just kind of flows real well. And if we feel it, well, the youngest is 23. He was a junior in high school when we moved and I gave him that option. Mm -hmm. I can stay in Pennsylvania until you're done with your senior year. And, and then I'll move, and you can come with me. The older two, I think my oldest one was in Arizona uh -huh. at the time, and my daughter was still in Pennsylvania. And we came over to visit two times, and then the third time, my son was like, hey, you know what, I think I'll start school here. And that was in August, and I'm like, okay. So I went back to Pennsylvania, shut the house down, mm -hmm. you know, did all these things, and kind of brought our stuff over and then the other two kind of migrated <laughs> the older two kind of migrated afterwards um we're a pretty close unit so <laughs> that's good i mean you gotta you gotta have your crew right and like what better crew to be your crew than like your kids the crew you made <laughs> <laughs> i love that are they uh, are they are they sports fans as well do they have the same passion that mom has for they are Steelers fans. Yes. Ah! They are Penguins fans. They are Pirates fans. Yes, we took a loss this week, but I'd rather take that loss in December than in January. Okay, so I don't. I'm not a sports person at all. You like it's in one ear and out the other for me. But that was like my last minute Facebook creep was like, okay, cool. But what what are some things that I can pick out that are like different that like are that are like good conversation topics? And I was like, all right, football. <laughs> <laughs> so like what is so you so you you lost so you, we were the last undefeated team in the league okay as of sunday um by monday evening we were no longer undefeated undefeated and you were beat by who and I only know this because I saw a meme that was like Steelers walking down and like each one of the doors that was open was like a you know a dead team that had lost. They were the Grim Reaper, and then they got to whoever was the end. The team it doesn't was... really have a name. I think oh, okay, they're like yeah, the they're not Washington. Okay. Oh, okay, Washington, yeah, 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 I think yeah, yeah, they're just, just a, like a football marks club right now. or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on down there. They don't really have a name. <laughs> But I will say this, Alex Smith was a caliber quarterback and, and he proved that and we didn't play up to our standards. 
So we play again Sunday. <laughs> this is like the this is the part of the podcast where I piss you off and you're like, I'm done, Nathan. We're through. <laughs> oh like, no, I'll I haven't defend, had a walkout yet, but turns Steelers. out this is I'll defend my Steelers on <laughs> all day. I can't defend the Pirates. I d- I don't know what's happening there. We just cheer for them and pat them on the back. Trying so foot- to figure out what's going on. You, we used to cut school opening day and uh-huh. go to Three Rivers Stadium. Now, I, I don't know if kids still do that or not. If you, I, don't, I don't know what, what's happening there. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with them. Is it just a, is it just the because Pirates are baseball, right? Yeah. Just just nod your head and smile at me and be like, okay, Nathan, well, let me hold your hand through this. Oh, don't worry. You'll get a lot of comments on that because they're in the same division as what are the Cardinals. Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I like moved into enemy territory for, <laughs> oh, for baseball oh. and, and for hockey. So <laughs> I know my oldest son had on a McCutcheon baseball jersey the one day and he's like, Mom, somebody actually like flipped me off as I was walking down what? the street. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because like literally the only thing that we hold a grudge on is Cardinals to Cubs, and that's just because people who live in Southern Illinois would rather associate themselves with St. Louis two hours away with the Cardinals than the Cubs five hours away still in Illinois. That's what cracks me up. Like, they're not even in your state. Right. And I see more Cardinals now. I for the longest time, so I, so I live in my in in a house that my that my grandpa built in the in the sixties. For the longest time, had his retirement gift out on the back deck. His retirement gift was a set of stadium seats from the old Bush Stadium Cardinals. <laughs> this is it's just it's just Redbird country here. That's all it is. I, I, just, I, I don't understand it. It's proximity. It's pro. It's it's easier to drive two hours to a to a St. Louis game and like that's a day trip versus having to travel all the way up north for but all the teams don't even have the same colors i will say this my son sunday uh-huh. wore a penguins hoodie with a troy palomalu steelers jersey over the top of it right <laughs> the lineup of the colors was perfect uh-huh. other towns can't do that other 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 sports towns can't do that we're all black and yellow uh-huh in Pittsburgh, is it really all okay. three teams are black and yellow? Does it does it all tie back to the the like the the Steelers like the steel industry Steelers the black and yellow color? Or is there something just not that... so much because the steel industry part are the dialoid um, symbols on uh-huh. the Steeler logo, the little diamond shapes. It's actually the chemical makeup for steel. Okay, that's in that. The black and yellow comes from. There, I hate that jersey, but it's it's the Bumblebee jersey. Uh-huh. But that was the 1933 jersey, okay. the year that the Steelers came into existence. And it's, as you would expect, like black and yellow stripes like mm-hmm. this. And it just kind of went from there. And those colors stuck through all our teams. So you can show up at any Steelers sporting event. <laughs> <laughs> you can show up to a football game with baseball on or a hockey game with football on or any any combination. Mm-hmm. And you're still good because you're in the right color. <laughs> <laughs> you still have black, gold, and white on. So it's you're you're good. That's funny. So it's, it's one of those things. I, I just don't understand that other cities that all their colors don't match mm-hmm. like why claim that for your town <laughs> yeah put it together i mean that that makes sense i mean I, 
Again, not a sports guy. I don't know how many times I can say it in this podcast to really drive it home. But it's like, you know, gold and dark blue with the Rams when they were in St. Louis to, a you know, a red and a white and like a baby blue for the Cardinals. And um, what are what are the what are the what are the uh, the blues or the dark blue? And well, I guess the dark blue and gold would match the Rams up at some point in time. We'll see. They left. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they, they they went back home. Yeah, to where they were originally <laughs> from. <laughs> hey, I think soccer is going to be the next big hit, so maybe it'll be, it'll be worth it to have an MLS stadium and team. There you go. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I won't see because I don't care, but somebody will see. Yeah, there's people that like soccer. <laughs> yeah, they exist. They're, they exist. Yeah. <laughs> they get there's as much pat on people. the back as the not sports people like me. <laughs> <laughs> how do you get? How do you find time to pursue like a number of hobbies, like as, as, as a single mother working, taking care of three kids, like working, I'm, I'm sure doing activities outside of work to take care of people. Like how, how would you do sports and books and whatever else is of interest to you and still like find the time for the leisure activities in addition to all the things that you do to make the world a better place? When they were younger, I would um, <laughs> I would sit at football practice with them because all three of them, okay, boy, girl, boy, played <laughs> football. Good, um, <laughs> good. And actually, in my hometown, I'm kind of like, oh, you're the mom of the girl who played football. <laughs> yeah, nice. That's, that's me. <laughs> nice. But um, I would sit down there and I would loom knit and mm-hmm. I'd put my yarn in a Ziploc bag, cut a corner, pull my yarn through, and let it roll under the bleachers because it wasn't going to get dirty. Uh huh. <laughs> sit there and loom knit and reading. They're all pretty good readers. So reading was always that one thing that was always evident. And I read before I go to bed. I read when I wake up in the morning. If I have some spare time, if I'm waiting on somebody, there's a car book. There's a living room book. There's a kitchen book, a bedroom book. Um, there's there's different books anywhere <laughs> that I might go that, you know, oh, there we go. Let's get back to this one. And nice. so that's one of the things. And then, two for... Like my hobbies, I cross-stitch also. Um, I do you know, just a lot of different things, but they're all things that I can do. And then I taught the kids how to do them. So <laughs> I taught them how to do it on perforated paper, <laughs> which is really hard because if you go too tight, it rips. But they all did really well with it, and they had to take it, I think, in seventh or eighth grade in junior high. So they did very well with it, and they would just be like, hey, Mom, what if we did this? And yeah. So it became kind of a thing that we did together. I didn't think we're – because you would go to the race unity meetings as well, right? I think I've been to one. Okay, so right who – there was somebody that I, I – because at first I was about to, like, be really embarrassed. Like, hold on, did we have a bunch of interaction at race unity and, like, it didn't click and I didn't remember it? Because there was somebody that would, like, knit during – or no, that or, wasn't me. Cro- okay, cool. So – Okay, I'm gonna just brush that off real quick and feel not as awful. Being like, hold on, did I? Am I just not putting things together in my mind right now? So, um, but yeah, that's a that's a it's one of those ones. It's kind of like yeah, I can take it anywhere and and just kind of do it. And you feel is there is there a feeling of of accomplishment whenever you're done? You're like, hey, I have something now that I've made and it exists. And you know whether it's a scarf or a afghan or whatever i don't i don't know what you would make with what you were um like a lot of people who do crafts like that i have a lot of unfinished projects so i do get really excited when i finish (laughs) (laughs) 
Because <laughs> you get started, you're like, oh, look at this pretty yarn. I want to make this. And then you start it, uh-huh. and then you start doing something else, and then you might get back to it, and it's just a it's a long process. I'm not super committed. Nah. Um, I have some yarn in my office that I picked up some months ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's still mostly in a ball right now. It, it, it's there. It's there. It's not quite yet in a ball yet. Um, but... I will get to it. I will get to it. And but that's one of the things, but it's just one of those things that gives you like when you cross stitch and everything else is going crazy. There's things you know when you cross stitch. If I bring my needle through here and I take it back through here, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's one of those things that just kind of I think brings clarity. In in a world of chaos and yeah. you don't know what's gonna happen yeah. next, when you sit down with that and you just kinda bring it through you're just like, okay, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> and I continue to do this, and I know what's happening. And it, it, it can be settling. Like my latest project, they have that um, in, I want to say it's South Dakota or North Dakota, the Dignity statue. Uh-huh. And um, on the back, they have the star quilt design. And it's just, it starts with like eight stars and then it just comes out mm-hmm. in the full direction. And I really want to cross stitch. <laughs> so I actually had my youngest son help me with that because I said, what's the angle that I need to get the diamond mm-hmm. out of squares, which is what cross stitching is. It's a bunch of squares. And he actually sat down and took that and went with it, got the graph paper and said, okay, this way and this way. And I was like, okay, I like that. And getting that started, it's just one of those things that you see and it's neat because you can see things that you like and like, hey, I could do that and do it this way and (laughs) make it really cool for myself. And it's one of the things I did a long time ago. I did this DMC master stitcher thing. I have a pen. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I don't know what that means to other people, but I have a pen. There's somebody out there that gets it. That's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If only that one person needs to know that they're not the only, you said DMC. Master stitcher. Master stitcher. Yes. And um, so I can design them and, you know, I can send them in every so often if they like the design. So, like, it's another aspect of that. It was really neat to, you know, work with myself on that you know I, I I sat there while it was going on and I'm like I wonder how many other mothers of 23 year olds can look at their son and say hey can you help me figure this diameter out so then he took some scrap and actually stitched the outline of it uh-huh. for me too and it's like I'm pretty lucky in that regard because yeah. that was pretty stinking cool. Is he is he an engineer type? Like, is that what he's interested he is, in? Like, you said graph paper, so that kind of... He is very... Um, he's extremely creative. Yeah. And um, he... If there's a way to do it, he, he's that person that wants to work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. So he might stand there and take five minutes and look at the situation... Mm-hmm size it up and you see the gears going and then the next thing you know you just have to trust what happens in the next few (laughs) minutes afterwards Mm -hmm. because it doesn't always look like it's going to be something that might work and then you're like wow yeah he's mine i made him he's mine (laughs) (laughs) you know it it is it's one of those things but he has that uh ability to do that to just kind of look at a situation and say okay this is how we can make this better and with the least amount of <laughs> effort on it. So it's a really neat thing with it. 
but I feel kind of privileged in that regard. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, some people will be like, oh, my kid's lazy. It's like, no, my kid's smarter is what they are. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It can, so does he do that more with like, you know, physical problems, you know, almost like Rubik's Cube type stuff? Or is he able to do that with like people things as well, similar to what his mom can do? He works with me. Okay. He's yeah. actually our program coordinator. Um, he actually runs our jobs program, um, and he's over our men's and women's empowerment groups mm -hmm. um, and our goal, our go goal orientation program. So his interactions, it's, it's everything is a puzzle. And as long as I can solve the puzzle, I'm good. That's great. And so he does have a lot of that in, and he's thinking about going to school. He's thinking about social work, so might be some influence there. Yeah, right. I wonder how he would have gotten that in. I can't imagine where he would have gotten that idea. At least he's in the right place for, you know, and that's the one thing about, you know, just Carbondale in general. And it's always my sales pitch to folks. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a townie through and through generations and generations back type of stuff. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, the school is its own little kind of bubbled off learning environment. But it's like the broader town itself is a laboratory of experiences that like, you can contribute to, you can receive from, you can participate in an even exchange. Like, this is a life lab. It is. <laughs> I was consider like Carbondale's like a little bubble in Southern Illinois yeah. <laughs> that just has a different viewpoint of, you know, let's make it work. No. What can we do to make it work? And not just saying let's make it work, but how can we actionably take steps yeah. to solve a problem? And that's that's one of the things that I really do like. How how big is Toledo? You talked about living in Toledo for mm -hmm. um, for a bit. Is it is it like a hundred thousand or a two hundred and fifty thousand or what's its like mass of people? I'm not really sure. It's bigger than Carbondale. Yeah, for sure. It is. It is bigger than Carbondale, and it's got a lot of people. Um, but it also had a lot of neat little things. Like they have a Kosai Science Museum. Mm -hmm. Loved it. The Nickelodeon Splash Lab used to come oh. when, <laughs> when the kids were younger. You know, you had a, um, a farm baseball team with a stadium in town now. Oh, that's and, cool. You know, you had all these, um, the Red Wings farm team would play there mm -hmm. and uh, for the hockey. And it was just kind of like you had like all these bigger kind of bigger city feel of things because mm -hmm. like being from Pittsburgh, you know, I'm, I'm used to major league this or, you know, being able to expose the kids to a lot of different museums and things like that. Mm -hmm. And in Salida, you kind of felt that same feel. It just might not have been the major league ones, <laughs> but you still got to have those experiences mm -hmm. um, there. So it was a really neat little community and there were different pockets. The organization I worked for uh, focus and it was, Faith Outreach Community United Services. And it was seven churches in the old West End that were duplicating services. Uh -huh. And they came together to make one group. Uh, you people, know? people miss... So, so this is something that I really love about Byram and the Community Foundation and <coughs> what he's doing right now and, and this is this is just a, a you know because I, I again it was easy enough to like scroll through your facebook page right before this conversation be like all right i'm picking out topics where are we at and seeing okay sharing plenty of the of the southern Illinois community foundation stuff like click on that and like his his big push is like quit 
firing up a nonprofit for every little thing when there's already plenty of like folks out there that can operate under this or, you know, kind of come under the same roof, that type of activity. It's like what we need is not more organizations. What we need is more people working succinctly together. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that and that's one of the things that what's interesting is at the warming center. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of that. You know, we see if it's said in a meeting, in an interfaith meeting or at a Sparrow meeting that, hey, you know what, we're running low on paper plates. Mm -hmm. The next three days, we're getting paper plates. Yeah. You know, there's, there's this want in our community to be of service. And I think Carbondale allows people to be of service in whatever way yes. they can. There's no rule that you have to write $1,000 checks to be of service. There's <laughs> no rule that you have to come stand here for 10 hours to be of service. Mm -hmm. Whatever you can do. And, and that's wonderful because it allows people to do even just the smallest things. That can mean so much. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's no price tag on service in this community. And I think that makes a really big difference in how the community interacts with the organizations that are here. That that line right there is golden, kind of pun intended, I don't know, to, to say that there there is no price tag on service in this community is, I, I, I think, just an uplifting statement. Because all, all too often, right, we, we think of... Uh, participation in in nonprofit and service activities as benevolence right and benevolence has a price tag attached to it but really we're looking for action <laughs> and it's amazing because there's people that are ready yeah. and it's sad when you see people that like you know I really want to do something but will what I do be enough yeah you know yes Absolutely. It is. I picture our building and, you know, we have the three-story building and sometimes I sit there and I look at it and the foundation of that building and the foundation of what we're doing there is from the community. It's mm -hmm. all the plates and paper towels and napkins and somebody who brings, I, I brought you a four-pack of toilet paper and it is received with with as much joy as yeah. a forty eight pack or yeah. a fifty thousand dollar check from the laborers union. <laughs> yes, because all of that just builds what that is. Yeah. The community has built the foundation for everything that we do over there, and it, it's just really amazing. <laughs> what what has it felt like? So, have have you ever been involved in a project that? that has been kind of a ground up build. I mean, you, you've talked about being involved in this line of work, but was that line of work something where it was established and you were coming in to work within the system that was already there? Or were these things where you had to build out activity and support systems as well? I've not done it from the ground up before okay. until, <laughs> until, <laughs> until now. now, until now. And, you know, part of that has to do with, with the amazing board that we have. Mm -hmm. um, Brandon Woodenberg, our board president, he's, we're, we're probably both just about as, okay, we're going to do this. Let's go. Yep. Okay. This is next. Okay. What's next. And then, and just kind of go through it with this fearless, <laughs> this is what needs to be done. Let's get it done mm -hmm. kind of um, methodology. And it, 
it has been interesting yeah. to do it from from this level because you're you're really you are you are building from okay we have this building and there were some cots in it when I first got a key and I was like okay <laughs> and now we're you know we're, we're in a such a different space in light of you know things that have gone on with COVID oh, and yeah. you know the need that's there <laughs> talk and, about having to pivot. Holy- <laughs> Wow. You know, within 48 hours, we went from 12 hours to 24. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're driven by what that need is. And, you know, there's anytime there's services for anything, there's always going to be that gap. Yeah. And, you know, we were designed initially, you know, to help people who couldn't utilize the existing shelter structure for whatever reason, from behaviors to space. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of been minding that gap. And so we're still minding that gap. Yeah even now with it. And so it's been, I think, having, knowing what that purpose is and having the passion for that, you know, really just is the gasoline to drive that. So it's been sometimes a little like, but it's okay (laughs) because you know why you're doing it. Yeah. And so it's just, it's been an amazing amazing time right all the all the way through have you um have you had like experience engaging with with media um in previous positions and 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 now in this one i mean you know again going back to sarah's conversation on on sunday right the the unknown component to being an epidemiologist for for her is you know she's very capable of engaging with somebody from a newspaper, television station, radio, whatever it may be, being on a podcast. Is that something that, that you had coming in the door as well? Is it something that you've had to develop or is it something that we're just getting to experience a really, uh, a, this, this side of the Carmelita that, uh, uh, that may not always shine through in a newspaper or television interview. Cause, uh, cause I've got you in the comfort zone right now. <laughs> You know, I my my degree is public relations. And oh well, shit! Okay, so. this conversation's <laughs> over. And I made it. I made it forty five minutes without cussing, and here we are. Anyway, all right. So you're so you're back. So you're you got your educational backgrounds in PR. Yeah. So that, and then my master's, which I'm going to break from. Three classes left. Nice. Join me, people who haven't finished. <laughs> <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> I got a couple folks. I'll make some phone calls, too. We'll get you connected by the end of this conversation. But that's organizational management with a specialization in leadership. And one of the things I always got asked, what are you going to do with that? And talk about speaking things into existence. Yeah. I'm going to run a nonprofit. Yeah. Because those were the things in the past 25 years of working in and out of that field of working with homeless and working within nonprofits that I felt like were the key components that were missing. Yeah. Um, because a lot of that marketing get somebody to buy into what you're doing. Yeah. For people to work with you, you need them to buy in and the marketing and the leadership part of it kind of go hand in hand yeah. amazingly because you're, you're, you're utilizing and you're hitting the same notes. And you want to buy in. You want your employees to buy into what we see as the vision mm-hmm. and how we want to see people be treated. And if I'm selling you something, I want you to buy into how possessing that product is going to make you feel. Yeah. You know, and it is about that buy in. And we use that same buy in with our guests, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what gets them to lift up. Yep. And I'm sure social workers have a whole name 
and the sociology <laughs> like an and the technical. psychology majors had, there's probably a whole nother theory on that. Uh-huh. But for me, that's, you know, I look at them in, in such a similar way, mostly because of my background and looking at that, it, it works, you know, we, we promote accountability in our building, our mm-hmm. guests, if there's, when we were 12 hours, we didn't know what our guests were doing the other 12 hours of the day. Yeah. So if, Somebody stole the last cupcake with purple sprinkles, and that caused somebody to blow up at another guest, mm-hmm. two guests conflicting. We're asking the question, are you going to allow this to affect where you sleep tonight? Because mm-hmm. that comes back to you. Yeah. This, this is your decision. And if you tell me yes, that's okay. What do you need to get through tonight? Do you need a sleeping bag? Do you need some snacks? Mm-hmm. Because you can try here again tomorrow. Yeah. And if it's no... Then it's like, okay, so what can we do right now, me, you, and the other individual? How can we make this right? Bring some restorative practices into this and yeah. let's get this right again. But not knowing what the other 12 hours of the day were, I think we've all had days where if you took the last cupcake, mm-hmm. <laughs> some everybody's going to have that day where it's like, okay, it's all over. I, I just can't take anymore. Well, and, and another, who's allowed to have conflict Right. Like is is conflict something that is only for the privileged? Right. Is it is it only for people that are in a you know fast paced executive work environment? Are they the only ones that are allowed to yell and scream at each other and like still have, uh, you know, a, a place to lay their head or, or something to do later that night? Or is like our our folks who are, uh, you know, experiencing some of the toughest times in their life? equally as allowed to be human and have conflict as others so long as we're finding resolution exactly. on the other end of it exactly because conflict for conflict's sake doesn't have a solution yeah but conflict a lot of times those same conflicts when we would ask that question and we would say and people would say no i don't want it to affect where i slept tonight but can i talk to you you find out more about what happened in their day mm-hmm. and what's going on with them because they want you to understand, no, I just don't go around blowing up at people or, yeah. you know, behaving like that. And there's that level of, you know, it allows them to have that dignity to say, this is what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. And for us to say, okay, you're still welcome here, even with that going yeah. on. And to have that safe place to express those things. Because if they're doing that out on the street, it's going to attract attention. Yeah. And probably not the type of attention that they want. And then it could escalate even further. But in there, it's more of a safe place to do that. And it's okay. People argue. Have you seen a change through your your career and and your personal personal growth and environments you've experienced where where there has been a a better turn towards not just providing a service and saying, you know, we're providing the service. Here you go. Move on. Next person. Next person. But actually figuring out the way to to implement to dignity as part of the service. Like, is there has there been an evolution that you've seen happen in social services over? the ever so many years uh, that you've been, I didn't mean to make it sound like that. I didn't mean like ever so, oh my gosh, Carly, <laughs> all of the years that you've been, or. Uh, my 150 or, years of experience. <laughs> <laughs> but, or, or was that already something that was kind of inherent in social services when, when you started, um, you know, participating in, in this field? Um, I think ultimately it's inherent. I think trying to achieve it cre- can create its own set 
of not issues but circumstances. Yeah. I think um, when you're dealing with a lot of grants and a lot of funding sources, there's requirements mm -hmm. that have to be met. And anytime that there is a service, there's a lot of people that need a service. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of people and there's an overload. Yeah. So it can be difficult to try and determine out of like a 20 person caseload, where's that level for each person? Yeah. And I think kind of for us, we, we have a lot of private donations. Um, we have a lot of subgrants, yeah. so it makes it a little bit easier for us that we don't necessarily have to put the numbers first. Mm -hmm. We're still keeping track of the numbers, but we don't necessarily have to put those first to be successful and to maintain certain funding. And I think that that makes a big difference because when the numbers are set aside and we're working with the human being, it makes a big difference. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times in some situations, guests can be viewed as a number and not as an individual. Yeah. And I think we, we don't have a Band-Aid that'll work for everybody. You know, yeah. even the box of Band-Aids comes in different sizes. <laughs> All right. So for any, for, you know, what works to solve this problem may not solve this person's problem. Mm -hmm. So we have to, you know, kind of creatively go about different ways. Um, I know in Toledo we did some things that were pretty innovative at the time. Mm -hmm. um, we had a resident, resident enrichment empowerment program. <laughs> nice. And it was a volunteer program, dollar for dollar match on things that you could get from our store. So if you weren't working yet and your kid's birthday was next month, mm -hmm. we sat down and talked about how much volunteer time you needed to do to be that mom next month for the bike or, yeah. you know, to do these things to, to build the parent up and to build them up as a person. Sounds odd, but... It feels really good as a parent to give your child who you just came out of a homeless shelter with yeah. into your own apartment exactly what they wanted for their birthday. Yeah. You know, even something simple as a bike or a certain game or anything like that. But that builds that parent up. And where they feel they might have been diminished in their child's eyes during that time, they, they feel renewed. And that can have a really great effect on how they move forward with yeah. you. And it's the same thing there. We... We have so many people that are moving forward. Our men's empowerment group comes to mind. They, we put a library up on the second floor on mm -hmm. the other side, away from the COVID side. And um, <laughs> they use, we're using that. Um, Alexander, our program coordinator, uses that along with Joe to do the men's empowerment group. And mm -hmm. what's interesting is I'll come in the building and I'll stand there at the bottom of the stairs and you hear laughter. You hear joking. Yeah. These, these aren't things that you're used to hearing or that people would expect to hear. You know, walking into a homeless shelter where we're dealing with housing crisis, an yeah. emergency housing crisis, you're hearing people for even that hour a week, you know, just relaxing and, and just being and enjoying themselves. I know there was one week he told me, we had one older guy in his like 60, 65 years old, a mm -hmm. couple younger kids up there, and there was a song on, and they were dancing and freestyling to it. They were putting books on the shelves, and they yeah. just stopped and started doing that. And to do things like that, you know, you're, you're uninhibited. You're, you feel secure, <laughs> and you feel a little freer in life. And, he was, and I know Alex said, it's like the best group we ever had. When something <laughs> like that happens, yeah. you know you've achieved some level 
with with who you're working with and it's it's amazing our women's empowerment group they they have such a good time they start with a theme both groups do and then they move on to different things and you walk in and you're just i'll slip in (laughs) and nico be doing the empowerment group and i hear a little bit and I, i duck back out because the vibe in there like you walk into a room and you feel that vibe yeah. and it's just so great. And it's like, I don't want to do anything to disturb this. Let me, <laughs> let me tiptoe back out of here because it's absolutely amazing. And with that, we when we went 24 hours, we're like, we're going to spend a lot of time with our guests yeah. now. How, what, what can we do to use that the best? And that's where those came from. And seeing people uplifted and smiling like, hey, when's the next group? You know, what we talked about last week was really great and you hear them referencing that and they create their own support system for each other within that. Yeah. And it's just like the most awesome thing to experience when you're there and you're just like, ah, it's men's group. They're having a good time. That is great. And you can just take that with you yourself, like an overflowing (laughs) cup of cheer. Like it's amazing. Just, I'm, I'm letting it soak in for a second. I got a, I, I I got a story I'll tell you after the podcast's over, but that that it reminds me of something very, um, just a real influential uh, thing that happened in my life. I'm, I just it's it's like a, I it's something I haven't like until you started talking about you know what lifting the weight off of somebody's shoulders for just a small period of time does for them, right? That I hadn't thought about this this person or or this time in in my life where I interacted with this person for for many years now, but that's exactly why it was a success for for that person because our interactions were just ones where it was able to lift some weight off of his shoulders for just the smallest amount of time that allowed him to feel you know human enough that he could make the slow and steady progressions needed to you know in what was ultimately like a two or three year process for him but you know that's the thing everybody's got their own timeline how is that is that another thing that you know you guys are are just real kind of everybody operates on their own timeline if you see somebody for 5 years you see somebody for 5 years if you see somebody for 5 days you see somebody for 5 days is that kind of a a mindset with with the activity yeah it it really is because again everybody's different you know there's there's a commonality of course when you walk into the door but how they got there what brought them there? It's different. And everybody's going to take different steps back. Because it's either, are you taking steps back to where you were or who you were? Or are you forging a new path? Yeah. You know, so there's there's these differences in it. And we try to work with them within that. Like, what is it that you want to do? Okay, so how can we do this? Yeah. Let's work together. And that's... I think that's one of the key things. They know they're not by themselves with it. And that's because the world can be a lonely place. (laughs) (laughs) And they know they're not by themselves with it. So that's one of the things that uh, makes us really happy with that. That's good. That's good. Sorry. Every time I look down at my computer, I'm just checking my uh, my sound levels and and everything else and just make it sure. So anytime you're just like, what is he doing? Why does he keep the guts? <laughs> Anybody out there like that actually watches this that wants to know, why is he always just kind of like staring down this way? It's like, I'm looking at the computer, make sure everything functions properly. Um, is there, 
is there anything that sticks out? And, and I'm not going to say I'm not going to say oh a failure that you have had, uh, right? But is there anything that sticks out as as something that would be considered a failure to you um, in this work environment? Where like if you know this type of action was was to occur, then I would feel like we've we've missed the mark. Like so, you know, uh, one of the biggest ones obviously being if it didn't exist, that would be. <laughs> a failure because we wouldn't be able to provide services. But is there is there anything that kind of sticks out in your mind where you're like, you know, these these are the things that I've, you know, figured out I, I need to be weary of to make sure that this is successful. And if I can avoid this, this, and this, um, then we're we're gonna see good outcomes. I think in in that regard, it's more finding care for some of our guests. Yeah. Um there's there's a term chronically homeless mm-hmm. that that I despise. I feel like that that means we just haven't done enough. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of people that are really far removed from services, and I spend a lot of my time in the day trying to figure out how to get them reconnected. Yeah, because if you haven't been on medications for five years, where you're at at that moment is your normal. Yeah, and has been for quite some time, and. I think my biggest thing is I feel like if we can't help them, then we're failing. Yeah. <laughs> that that really and truly is one of them. And so we've been reaching out to a lot of different other organizations trying to determine how can we kind of bring them around. Yeah. And we we get our guests in that situation to participate in the empowerment groups. We get them to do some other things. And I think the timeline that we have with us not having a hard out date, like you get 30 days or 45 days or things like that, allows there to be a different level of trust Mm -hmm. built. And so we're working with them to try and get to some point where we can, how can we have you see that there's a different way again? Yeah. Because that's what we want them to see because we want them to have a good life. So that that to me, if we can't find a pathway for that, then, then I would feel like a failure in that regard. Cool. No, that's, that is, that was a really strong answer to a really tough question. And like, I, you know, I, I had thought about it on maybe 15 minutes ago and I was like, how would I present this? <laughs> like in a way that's like, okay, cool. Cause they, you know, it, people, people don't realize that not, you know, not everything's a home run. Right. And so many people get discouraged when they, when they do miss, right. That, you know, it's just like, keep going. Right. It's it's not a it's not a miss if you don't stop. Exactly. Because there's been grants I've written that I'm like, for sure we were going to get. Right. And then it was like, oh, well, here's we didn't get that. Here's here's a good here's a good closer. Then we're just a little past the hour mark uh, on the show, which is which is right where I want to be. The um, you you received a big old check from uh, Labor 773. How did that come about was that just like a phone call hey we hear you guys are the best at what you're doing right now we want to give you a bunch of money or was that like something that you had been working on for quite some time and building a relationship and it just it after so long of working it it landed was there where where did where did all that where did all that happen 
Like I've mentioned, we have an amazing board. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> like a really good board. <laughs> I'll just give them a shout out real quick. There you Brandon go, yeah. Woodenberg, Carolyn Harvey, Diana Sussman Brawley, or Diana Brawley Sussman. <laughs> Sorry, Diana. Um, Jerry Malumbi, uh, Cara Dunkel's on there, Dr. Glenn Pichard. Uh, we have a really um, dynamic board. Yeah. That does a lot of things. Um, Dr. Bouchard made that connection with us. And one of the other really cool things about them is they gave us a very large check, which is amazing. Two other things that they do that are amazing, too. Um, And one of those just happened earlier today. We're connected with the Midwest Food Bank. Mm -hmm. Their warehouse is in Fairfield, Illinois. Uh They take their big trailer up there once a month for us and bring back three pallets of items for us. Oh, that's great. Which is awesome. Two, working with Jerry Womack there, he wants to get together with some of the guys that I had there so that we can start to develop a a chain of, (laughs) you've walked into a homeless shelter, and when you leave, you could be working for the union. And I mean, talk about changing the trajectory of somebody's life. Yeah. You know? So they've given us that opportunity to continue to do what we're doing um, with their support and then even greater life changing opportunities for the people that we serve. I mean, they're just flat out amazing over there. <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I'm in awe. Yeah. I, I am in awe because they have been more than generous and it, it's an amazing thing to have in our community. Again, more of our community just coming together and saying, Hey, what can we do? Yeah. Well, and, and I've got to say, uh, Carmelita has been an amazing person to not just have on this podcast, but is an amazing person to have in our community. Um, thank you for being, you for, for, for doing this. Thank you, Gary, for one little bit more nudge to make this happen. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, that's, uh, as always, the end of the podcast. Have a good one, whatever that one may be.